0: Great. Celia, thank you very much. Let's pray, shall we, as we come to look at that passage together. Lord God, we do thank you for your words. We thank you that it has so much to say to us. And we do pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive it. Help me as I speak. Help us as we listen. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Great. we well, have we got our first slide, Adam? Brilliant. Two miracles. Well, um. For our, the benefit of our younger uh, younger members here, who are here, does anybody know what uh, day it is? What's special about today, and what are we remembering? Yes, as well. You're always a good one for asking. you Go on, as well. When Jesus died. That's right. It's Good Friday, isn't it? We're remembering. That's the day when Christians remember uh, that when Jesus died. Well, I don't know if you thought about it. Why, why do uh, Christians remember when Jesus died, and why do we call it Good Friday? It doesn't seem very good, does it? after all. It seems like it should be better called Bad Friday. Well, the reason, of course, is what, because of what Good Friday achieved for us. Is what, yeah, that's right, Jesus died for us. It's because of what Jesus' death achieved for us. That's why we remember it. Uh, that's why we're gathered here today uh, to, uh, to think about it and to, uh, to consider it. Well, I don't know if you noticed, as um, Cecilia was uh, reading for us, uh, but in our reading there are, were two unusual events that happened when Jesus died. Two unusual events that happened when Jesus died. And I want to spend the next few minutes just thinking about them and uh, thinking about what they tell us about what was going on when Jesus was on the cross. So let's look at the first one, shall we? Next slide, please, Adam, if that's all right. The first one was the darkness. Did you see that? The darkness. And the darkness tells us about God's anger at our sin. Uh, The darkness, we're told, uh, came over uh, at noon, Uh, And it it came over Jesus on the cross for about three hours, something uh, like that. That's a bit strange, isn't it? Normally, midday is the time when you'd expect the sun to be at its brightest. It's the highest in the sky, isn't it? Something clearly strange was happening here. Well, people have tried to come up with lots of answers for that. Uh, Some people have tried to say, well, it was a solar eclipse, that's what was happening. Well, that can't be true. Solar eclipses only happened for a couple of minutes. You might remember one. There was one a few years ago, wasn't there? I remember when I was a bit younger, watching a solar eclipse. It only happened for a few minutes. But it also couldn't have happened because the time of year that this was all happening meant that the, sun, uh, the moon was in the wrong place for a solar eclipse. It's impossible. It just can't happen like that. It wasn't a solar eclipse. Something else was happening. And the best explanation is that actually it was because God caused it to happen. In fact, we know that that's true, because the Bible tells us that that's what was going to happen. Uh, so back in the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets promised that on the day of the Lord, then the sun would go down at noon. Now, you can read about that in the prophet Amos, chapter 8. He tells us about that. That's what was going to happen. It had also happened before, in a sense. You might remember when the uh, Israelites came out of Egypt, uh, they were in slavery in Egypt, and just before the, uh, the, the first Passover, there was darkness that covered the lands. And darkness in the Bible is usually a symbol of God's anger and of uh, his judgment. His anger at sin. Well, what is sin? Well, one of the best definitions I heard of it is to uh, take the uh, little letter that's in the middle of it, I. And it's true, isn't it? Sin is I. It's putting I in the middle and God's pushing him out of our lives. And the Bible tells us that's what all of us have done in different ways. All of us have said, God, push out, push off. We don't want you to be in charge of our life. We want to be in charge by ourselves. That's what the Bible calls a sin. Uh, It's it's to say no to God and to live life uh, on our terms. Now, we know, don't we, that if we do things that are wrong, if we say things uh, that are wrong, then there are usually consequences Uh, Perhaps our parents might get cross with us, or our teachers, or something like that. Uh, Not so long ago, I had a speeding ticket uh, because I got caught speeding, and the police were very cross with me, and they gave me a nasty fine and what what have you. Yeah, I was naughty, and I got exactly what I deserved. I shouldn't have been doing it. And we know that if we do things that are wrong, there are consequences. Uh, That's how life works, isn't it? Uh, We deserve to be punished. And the Bible says that that's really the same with God. If we, if we turn our back on God, if we reject his rules, if we break his rules and we say to him, God, we don't want anything to do with you, we're going to run life in our own way, then we can't be surprised when there are consequences as well. And sin angers God. He hates it. Now, angry, anger isn't kind of a, a good word to use, is it? Because when we think of anger, we think of our kind of anger, We think of our anger, which is a bit uncontrollable, isn't it? We get a bit grumpy or a bit cross and we're tired or we haven't had enough food. I was cross of our children this morning because they hadn't kept me up last night. It's not like that. God's anger isn't like our kind of anger. It doesn't sort of flick on and off like a switch. It's not irrational. It's not silly. It's his settled, uh, constant hostility to all that is wrong. And actually, in many ways, God's anger is a good thing. Because if God didn't get angry at sin, we might ask ourselves, what kind of a God was he? Because it's right that he is angry at things that are wrong, at uh, things that are bad and things that are hurtful. But the good news of Good Friday is that, astonishingly, on the cross, Jesus dealt with God's just anger at sin. He took the punishment for us on our behalf. It should have been us there experiencing uh, the death uh, that Jesus died. But because he came out of love in agreement with his father, he did it on our behalf instead. That is the good news at the heart of Good Friday and at Easter. It reminds me of a time when I was, uh, when I was at school. Uh, it was a few years ago now, but uh, I and some the rest of my class had been, uh, let's say we'd been playing up, put it that way, with one of our teachers. And we'd pretty much all been involved in it. I don't think any of us could have said we were entirely uh, guilt-free of that. We'd all been involved and messing around. And our teacher decided that uh, he couldn't work out which one of us was really responsible, so he just punished a lot of us instead. And one boy, who, it has to be said, had been at the heart of it, put his hand up and said, no, sir, it was me. Punish me and let them go. And he did. The teacher said, fine, okay, I can't remember what his name was, but he grabbed him and said, right, we'll punish you, you'll be in detention, and the rest of you uh, can go. Now, it's not an exact parallel, is it, obviously, because uh, the the boy who uh, had fessed up really did have something to fess up. He had been uh, messing around. But actually, there's a principle there that helps us to understand what happened on Good Friday, isn't there? That actually one person took the blame for the others. And the Bible explains to us that that's what happened when Jesus dies on the cross. And that's what the darkness reminds us of. That uh, in the words of uh, one of the other prophets, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. Uh, Jesus dies on the cross instead of us. He took uh, God's anger at sin on our behalf. That's the first miracle that happens on uh, Good Friday. Let's look at the second one. Can we have the second slide, um, Adam, please? second one was the curtain the curtain and this tells reminds us that now we have access to god's presence uh, you probably noticed this when we were reading it so there was the darkness that came over the land for uh, for three hours and then when jesus died we're told that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom Well, I don't know how much you know about this curtain, but this curtain was not like the sort of curtain that you might have in your house or in your bedroom. It really wasn't like that at all. It was enormous. Uh, I'm not very good at estimating distances, but I would guess it probably would be something like... Imagine a curtain hanging from the, sort of the, the top of the, uh, the archway there and all the way down. It was enormous in the, uh, in the temple. It was richly patterned, it was beautifully decorated, and it was incredibly thick as well. It was probably about as thick as my hand, maybe slightly thicker, an inch or so thick. It was a huge, really thick cloth. And it stood right in the centre of the temple. And it, it, it kind of curtained off the, 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 the most sacred parts of the temple, what the Jew- Jewish people called the Holy of Holies, uh, and, and that was the place where they thought that God was supposed to dwell. And no one could go in. The temple, the temple curtain was a bit like a giant kind of no-entry sign. You don't go any further. You cannot go in here. If you do, uh, you will die. Uh, once, uh, once a year, uh, one man, the, great, the high priest, would uh, would go in to make uh, a sacrifice on behalf of the people. And you know the detail I always find so interesting about it? They, they were so scared that he wouldn't come out. They used to tie a rope around his, uh, around his leg. So that if he came out and if he conked it inside the uh, most holy place, they could drag him out without having to go in there. They were so fearful of what would happen if they went behind the curtain. It separated us. It was a a giant sort of no-entry sign. Uh, Sinful people cannot be with a holy God. As a reminder that uh, ordinarily human beings can't come near to God. He's, He's holy. The Bible tells us that our God is a consuming fire. You go near him and uh, you will die. But when Jesus dies, all that changed, didn't it? The temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. It wasn't a human thing. You, couldn't, you would have had to have a giant ladder to go up there and tear it. And you probably wouldn't be able to anyway because it was too thick. Clearly, something else was going on. And it was God tearing the curtain in two and telling his people that now we can have access to God's Because when Jesus died, the sin that separates us from God was dealt with. And you and I, when we trust in him, uh, can have access to him. We can know him. We can call God our Father. We have access to God. This is how uh, one of the uh, New Testament writers puts it. I think it's a great uh, great explanation. This is what we uh, we, uh, read it for you. He says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. That's the holy of holies by the blood of jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body and uh, we can have access to god let's a look at the next slide if we will adam that's all right does anyone know who uh, who this uh, happy looking family is the obama's, the obama's that's right and do you know where that photograph was taken what's that <laughs> holy, trinity rectory. holy trinity rectory it does look a bit like holy trinity rectory that is true uh, it's, not, it's actually in the Oval Office in the White House. The Oval Office is the President's office. It's his study, uh, the, uh, the place where, where he makes all his decisions. Uh, and that's uh, the Obamas hanging out there. The children are there, aren't they, looking very happy, and they're enjoying an apple or something, I don't know, and so on and so forth. Um, if you or I tried to get into the Oval Office, I think we'd be stopped. I don't think we'd get very far. Uh, we'd be, uh, we wouldn't be allowed access to uh, President Obama or President Trump, as it is now. Uh, we wouldn't be able to go and talk to them. We'd be stopped. By security. But actually, President Obama's wife and his children, they can have access uh, to, uh, to, to him. And they can go and sit in the Oval Office because they know him. And he's uh, their father. They've, they don't need a, a special pass to, to get entry. And in a sense, that's a reminder for us that actually that's what Good Friday achieved for us uh, with God. Because Jesus was punished instead of us. Our sin is dealt with. And we can have access to God. Uh, We can talk to him, can't we, in prayer. And he listens to us uh, when uh, we pray to him, we talk to him. Uh, We can uh, go go, go to him with all our problems. Uh, We know that we don't have to fear anything from him. We can look forward to life with him forever uh, when uh, he comes back and takes us uh, to be with him. The curtain reminds us that we have access to God, our Heavenly Father, because Jesus died on the cross in our place. We can be forgiven. We can call him our Father. Well, why do we remember Good Friday instead of Bad Friday? It is because on the cross, Jesus dealt with God's just anger at sin, and he secured access into his presence. Well, if all that is true, and I think that it is true, then it demands a response from us, doesn't it? And let's have our last slide, shall we, Adam? It it caused us to ask this question of who is Jesus, and what do we make of him? And just as we finish, I want to ask that question of, of you. Because it seems to me in the reading that we just had, there were a number of different responses to Jesus. Probably you saw them. Uh, there was the, uh, the, the response of the crowd, wasn't there? Uh, they passed by, they hurled insults at him, they shook their heads, they just mocked him, they laughed at him. And as far as they could see, there wasn't anything special about Jesus. All his promises they'd made they didn't seem to be coming true. It was a complete waste of space. There were the soldiers who just got on with the job. For them, it was just another kind of bank holiday uh, thing to be doing. But there was one man, wasn't there, who did see something special about this? It was the centurion, wasn't it? Do you remember what he said? Uh, the centurion uh, saw how Jesus dies, and he said, Surely, this man was the Son of God. Now, we don't know much about this centurion, but he was a Roman, so he wasn't a Jew. He didn't know uh, lots about uh, the promises that God had made to his people to send a saviour. Uh, if he was a centurion, he was probably an, an experienced soldier. He's, uh, he'd probably fought lots of wars. He'd seen lots of people die. He'd probably done lots of crucifixions like this. It was just part of his job. That's what he did. He'd seen plenty of people die. And yet there was something about the way that Jesus died that made him sit up and take notice. And for him, the penny dropped, didn't it? Surely this man was the Son of God. He wasn't just another criminal, like the other two men who were being uh, crucified next to Jesus. Uh, He wasn't even just a human being, but he was the Son of God, the one God had promised, God's promised uh, Son and Saviour. And he made a response to the death of Jesus. We don't know what happened to him afterwards, but I can guess uh, that uh, that, uh, Mark is trying to tell us that he made a response uh, that we are encouraged to make as well. The person whose death we remember today is not just another human being. He's not just a historical figure who lived 2,000 years ago and has no relevance today. He is nothing less than the Son of God who came to be our Saviour. And it's worth remembering and worth celebrating. And I wonder what you would say as we close in answer to that question. Who is Jesus? Who is this man who died on a cross? Did he die for you? Did he die for me? And what does that mean? Let's pray, shall we, as we think about those questions. Well Jesus, we realise that we will never fully understand this side of eternity, what happened that first Good Friday. But we do know that something significant happened. Uh, we know that at the cross you dealt with God's anger and our sin, and we are so thankful. We know that by your death, you opened up a new way for us to call God our Father. And we thank you for that. And we do pray for our own response to your work. We pray that you would help us to see you for who you really are. And like that centurion, to confess you as the Son of God and as the Saviour. And we ask these things for your name's sake. Amen.